This All is right. amazing. You wow. wish you could hear this. Yeah. Oh, you wish you could hear this. It's quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. Yo! Welcome to Haas Boys. <laughs> Did I blow your ears out? You're welcome. It's not like you said you're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, Max, for having me and interviewing me on Haas Boys. Uh, I'm your host, Parker. I've got Max with me. Hello. And I look to my left and no Mike. Mike is gone. He's in Cars World. What's he doing in Cars World? At Disneyland. Cars, is it Cars World? Yeah, Cars Land. Yeah, at Disneyland. Mike, Mike requested time off from the podcast through the HR, and they gave him the only option to go to was Cars World. Are you kidding me? I've been requesting that for months. His life is can only be cars. He has to be always sharp, always ready to go. Is he just getting information for the podcast? I mean, we're working here. Is he working? Yeah, he better be working. Is he taking notes? He's taking so many notes. Learning about cars? Digital cars. Like he took his kids, which makes me think that we're all just paying for a vacation. Ooh, that sounds right. Uh, I don't like this. Yeah. We need to talk to our HR department. Yeah. We just busted this wide open. Uh, Mike, we know what you're doing. We know what's going on here. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Uh, no, I'm just kidding because Mike actually talked to me and um, he said there's been so much talk about cars in this podcast that mm-hmm. it got him so excited about cars. Yeah. He started looking online like, where can I go? How can I get my three daughters into cars? <laughs> right. Where can I see cars yeah. anywhere I look? Disney's California Adventure. If you cars type land. into Google, where can I take my daughters to learn about cars? Yeah. Cars World. Yeah, Disney's Californian Avenger, Cars Land. Mm-hmm. You come out with a super license if you were able to pass the test. <laughs> yeah. If you don't get injured on the rides, you come out with a super <laughs> license. And uh, we just heard that he's standing in line as we speak. Yeah. We record this at night. Mm-hmm. So what's going on? Yeah. How late is Cars Land open? I guess they have something going on did the, they drop off the kids and drop off the kids for cars land after dark cars land after get in dark. the back seat with cars land oh baby <laughs> they just turn the rides up no a little faster single riders <laughs> <laughs> or is it all single riders all singles <laughs> all play all night <laughs> cars land four wheel drive <laughs> put the gas in your brakes <laughs> We built a theme park, baby. Yeah, it's very clear that Mike is the expert on cars. <laughs> no, Max, these are real car terms we're using. I haven't fueled my brakes in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have put water in your engine, right? Yeah. I keep, it's a steam. You got to keep it cool, baby. You got to keep it cool. Open up the top, just pour water right in. I do. Any openings you can find. It's good to keep it cool. Uh, so yeah, Mike is not here. You know, Mike is our resident expert, mm-hmm. but to be honest, we don't need him. And it's like, dad is finally gone. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's our time to shine tonight. <laughs> and so get ready world because Max and I know a lot. I know a lot. We know a lot. Yeah. And instead of Mike, well, not instead of Mike, but we had an opportunity here. We thought, 
Today's the day that we can invite on a special guest. Everybody, please welcome Trevor O'Corin. Yeah. it in sound. Yeah. Okay. That's gonna. I'm gonna dub in sound there. Uh, Trevor, say hello. Hey guys, happy to be here. It's been about probably about a year since I invited myself on to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, because we were friends, and yeah. then uh, then you know it was a uh, it was kind of a slow fade away for a while. Yeah. But. Definitely yeah. happy to be here. I watched the show for the first time this morning, so I think I'm ready. <laughs> okay. You watched it. Yeah. Hey, Trevor, you know, sorry we haven't really been present, but you can't help it if you hit it big. Some people need to get cut when you get real big. And unfortunately, that was you. I was on the team, though. That's comforting. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you were on the list, but unfortunately, the whole list got cut. And now Max, and Mike, and I are only friends with each other. It's lonely at the top. Uh, Welcome, Trevor. So Trevor is uh, one of my best friends, longtime friend, and he's a longtime friend of of Max as well. He's a great pal, and he also is a lover of Formula One. Mm -hmm. We wanted to invite him on to chat. So Trevor, uh, audience doesn't know know you. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, I got into Formula One via Max a couple years ago. Trevor lives on a farm, and I was doing work on the ranch. And I was like, we need to watch Drive to Survive. Oh, dope. I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah, he put his elbow up on a cow (laughs) as we were working and (laughs) brushed his brow, wiped some sweat, and mentioned Drive to Survive. And so we hurriedly, you know, finished up milking that cow and then ran inside, Mm -hmm. cleaned off our shoes and turned it on. And the rest is history. Yeah, you sat down (laughs) cross-legged in front of like an analog TV and watched Drive to Survive beginning to end. (laughs) Tuned it to Netflix. Yeah. 89.7 Netflix. It's on AM. (laughs) Wow. TV. 89.7 Netflix. It's on AM. TV. (laughs) Do you... Have you ever seen the TV before? That's how TVs work, but that's all right. Since getting into Formula One, man, how deep have you dove? Yeah, I got into racing as a young kid, but I didn't really get into it. My uncle, as you guys know, he was a mechanic. I think he was actually a head mechanic uh, in a crew for Ford Racing and a couple different uh, companies and... We always got tickets to the IndyCar uh, races when they were in Denver, and we had free backstage passes, so to speak. I don't really know what it meant, but the chef for the drivers would actually uh, make food every race, and so we got to eat food with them. And I remember it was mostly with this one driver named A.J. Allmendinger, where things were kind of uh, exploding. I think he won a race or two, and... Cool. Things were exciting, but so we cool. didn't pay attention to racing. So, yeah, we mostly, I mean, Travis Pastrana was there, I remember. And as a 12-year-old kid, I didn't understand why Travis Pastrana and, like, his friends were doing backflips in the parking lot. And You were was... just focused on that chef and the food. <laughs> I, so, how I got into F1 was I used to You're go like, to Indy. The... Indy. <laughs> why is this guy doing flips? There's free food back here. Does he not know there's a, sh- there's a world-class chef here? I went to indie races and didn't pay attention, and that's why I love F1. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that. Uh, so you were really exposed to racing, but kind of didn't even know what you were looking at as a kid. Yeah, exactly. My uncle was really, really passionate about 
what he does. And he, he was often recreating old parts of engines for some of those races that uh, they kind of race these vintage cars from the 20s and the 30s. And they're worth like $5 million, $10 million. And the parts don't exist anymore. So he has to recreate them and solder them in there. I don't know what, what the methods what methods he uses, but he... Just tape, but yeah. Essentially gets it in there so it looks authentic. And been in his whole life, he's dedicated his entire life to, to racing specifically. And he told me growing up that F1 was basically for the Europeans. And it was a very negative like connotation. He was like, yeah, it's just that's just the European stuff. But huh. he kind of had a grudge on his shoulder. That IndyCar was like much more scrappy and... and a little bit more rough and tumble, which mm. I know you guys have talked about earlier too on the podcast. So Yeah. I mean, but that's an interesting perspective from someone who's growing up watching F1. Like from his perspective, it was all European teams pretty much. Basically, it still kind of is. Yeah. But now the American market is exploding. So yeah. like it's shifting, which is exciting. So I, that, got, I get that idea. That's funny. So growing up, you basically were looking at anything but IndyCar as like a sissy sport. Exactly. So I actually, when Max told me to watch Drive to Survive, I initially was like, oh, this is that lame European sport my <laughs> uncle told me about. Yeah. And so it was very different than I expected. I didn't realize that, I guess, the intrigue behind racing was really housed in Formula One and a lot of the marketing was really from Formula One. You know, funny. most people don't find out about racing outside of it. So that was exciting to kind of realize that that was the reason why Travis Pastrana was probably there in America was because racing is kind of this this catalyst for, you know, wealthy people and celebrities to hang out and yeah. watch the cars go by and not know what's going on but to talk to each other and look mm -hmm. pretty. So yeah. For me, I think the biggest the biggest revelation for me has been that I'm not really that interested in American sports and there's a reason why. Uh, there's something about F1 that had something that I think was missing for me in terms of the technology and kind of the hustle on the business side. Obviously, money's a huge part of F1. NFL teams don't have brands associated with their team. You know, if you're the Ravens or whatever, it's just a mascot. But in F1, there's this whole other side that plays so much into the racing itself that it's extremely dynamic, I feel like, to really get into F1 because there's so much to like it for. You know, there's so many different levels to be interested in. I don't know how much of human capital is, you know, inside of each team. It's kind of difficult to determine how much the race driver is determining things, but even the fractions of seconds is really, really fun to see, you know, who and where and, and why. You know, like why is a team winning? Is it it's a really mm -hmm. wild question to try to answer. Yeah, you can spend your whole season hitting your head against a wall trying to figure that out. I can definitely connect with you there. And we can both thank Max for getting us into F1. It's true, though. There's there's enough characters, I feel like, that it's varied. Your friends can really be attracted to different drivers and different teams. But there's few enough teams and drivers that it also is manageable. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in whenever I talk with anyone about the NFL or the NBA... I get so lost and confused. Yeah. You know, there's so many names and I can't even I can't even believe how, you know, my cousin or my brother-in-law who really doesn't like statistics knows every stat for all of these players and the different rosters. Yeah. So 20 people, 10 teams is so much more manageable and uh maybe I'm just stupid. I'm just saying I'm stupid enough to really <laughs> really like 20 people. You no, know? you're stupid <laughs> like us and all the Europeans that love and Americans that love this the sport. We chose it. <laughs> Because there's only 20 names per year we need to learn. 
And that's all we've got. Okay? Because we're busy. We have lives. Uh, this is a good moment to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, so we are the Haas boys. Obviously, we love Haas. But we do have to be perfectly honest here. And, and while Trevor is a fan of the Haas boys, he's not quite a full-fledged Haas boy. <laughs> because Trevor is actually a big fan of Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton. And that's why we wanted to invite him on is to get a peek into the into the mind of a Hamilton fan. So Trevor, give us a cold intro here. What is it about uh, Lewis? I think Drive to Survive is partially to blame for this, right? Because Drive to Survive is a reality show and reality shows always kind of craft a protagonist early on, even before they really start filming or at least as they're filming. It's really interesting that Daniel Ricardo is the protagonist, clearly, in season one of Drive to Survive. Oh, yeah. Max is the antagonist or, you know, the villain, so to speak. Every shot of him is always when he's just kind of cold and like angry. And, and Max, you know, yeah. we learn later through years that he's actually, you know, he smiles and, and whatnot. But Mercedes was always this mystery, like velvet curtain. No one knew, no one could touch, no one could find anything out about him. And I was asking these questions that we all ask. It's like, why is that team winning? Like, why are they winning over and over? Um, and looking at revenues and looking at team valuations, Ferrari has more money. They make just about the same amount of money in terms of revenue every year. Why isn't Ferrari just dominating right now? Like, what is making Mercedes dominate for this time? And, and why are they not getting complacent? Because it's really hard to win two years in a row. I, I imagine it's hard to win five years in a row. Uh, how do you maintain that level of intensity? So I was curious, almost like on the strategic side, to, to learn about them. And when I first, you know, I think it was season two or season three when they opened it up to... It's like Mercedes realized that they could let Netflix into the garage and not lose all their secrets. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt like some of the mentality at Mercedes that I noticed was they were extremely focused on being unified despite having such a huge team. And there's a couple of things that I just really liked about their mentality... Uh, Lewis obviously talks about this a lot, and I get that you know people do think Lewis is a marketing PR you know smooth drone because after thirty years, I think most people either go one way or the other. You either go Kimmy, where you don't care at all about like the PR side, or you just have it's given more of in. Just and the hobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or you're just totally cooperating at this point because it's just your job. And uh, but yeah, they talk so much about blaming themselves for the problems uh but like celebrating wins as a team and there's just a couple of big principles that i thought were really cool about them whereas some of the other teams seemed fairly disjointed and mm. it's cool to see from the outside a team that seems to really have a very solid culture mm. that didn't want to be touched and i think that was interesting because there's a fast car and there's fast racers but good teams tend to win championships more than just well, it's Ferrari this year, right? But Ferrari is, is the one who is struggling. And like I think those things that you were saying, like they can't get their good team culture down. Like they might have a fast car, but they're like coming apart in other areas. They can't get those things right. Yeah, and it's almost like their culture is what's yeah. destroying them now. Yeah, whereas like you're right, Mercedes has been able to dial that in yeah. and become really good at it. Yeah, yeah. And remain evil but they are good at what they do. <laughs> they are good at being a team. And there Effective. is some good in all evil. 
Money is the root. Money equals the root of all evil. Mercedes has money. Right. We got it. You got it. They are the root of all evil. <laughs> Uh, but I get what you're saying here, and I get what you're talking about. And I can see how that would be an interesting time to dig into that and kind of get behind this uh, beast that is just like extremely well-funded and has like amazing talent and uh, is just able to get results time after time as a super fast car so they can just win races no matter who's driving. Yeah, just rock race after race after race and mostly have it be the car that's winning and the driver doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> oh, well, love that subtlety. Yeah, I mean, ar- ar- arguably not, but you, if you told that to Mick Schumacher in the, in the 80s, you know, like that would not be really accepted by the fans. Well, everyone's... Everyone's big thing with Mick was that he went to a losing team to help it start winning, you know? So, like, there's this, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting sentiment around F1 that says that the driver is not in control. But I think at the end of the day, you're, the captains of your team yeah. really do, like, they change they change things. That energy changes things. And I don't know how much Lewis has been involved with that. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he's been with different guys that win, you know, and so it's not like they're incapable, un- but it is weird. Like, why does he win over them? Same thing with Max right now. Like, yeah. why is Max just continually winning? Yeah. Even though it's the same car. So on that note, uh, let's switch to the driver, to Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> so you, you're a fan of Mercedes, but you also in particular, you are a fan of Hamilton. And, uh, you know, we're, we're here to listen <laughs> just kidding just kidding we uh we make a lot of fun of hamilton but we did want to just kind of see like you're a bona fide fan of lewis hamilton uh despite most of your f1 fan friends not being a fan of hamilton uh we just talked a little bit about you know mercedes having an amazing team having an amazing car and so let's uh shift focus to that guy talk to us a little bit about lewis hamilton what do you like about him yeah, I have <clears throat> I have three notes prepared for this. Three reasons why I like Lewis Hamilton okay. and Mercedes from my notes. Okay, okay. You ready? Yeah, yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> His fashion sense. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, no. we we know a lot about his fashion sense, and we get so a whole cute. eyeful of it every week. He's <laughs> he just is a so cute dang guy. cute. He's just a cute guy, and he wears the funniest clothes. <laughs> he's such a. He's just a funny. Is it comedy? It's just so. He's so funny. He's such a. Zany if there's one guy. person that has the f- best sense of humor on the grid, yeah. it's Lewis. Hamilton. They keep talking about Daniel Ricardo having the best sense of humor and <laughs> yeah. like just being funny, but it's like, have you seen what Lewis wears oh, every yeah. week? So yeah, anyway. we, we love it too. It's, it's Lewis and Mick. They're probably the funniest people on the grid. <laughs> right. Right. And Mick is just, all of his jokes fly under the radar, but he's funny. <laughs> Everything he does flies under the radar. But <laughs> yeah. Right okay. Now. Except for being born, I guess, but go on. Okay, careful. Yeah. Haas Boys podcast, making slides at Mixed Schumacher. No. <clears throat> so, three reasons why I like Lewis. One, he exemplifies <laughs> humility. <laughs> he is humble. This is the Sunday school answers. He exemplifies Mercedes. You, you, culture. Sound, like you're really, you sound like you're really behind these, Trevor. You are saying these like you believe them. It's like your dad wrote them for you. <laughs> and he's whispering them in your ear. 
exemplifies. He exemplifies Mercedes. Mercedes culture. Culture. Counters. Mo- Counterment. Model-like peer. He's a, he's a peer-reviewed peer. Peer-reviewed. He's hero. my hero. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He exemplifies Mercedes culture. <laughs> You're looking mystified no, by these notes here, Val. He honestly <laughs> seems smooth to me. Okay, he seems okay. like a smooth guy. He's he's very well, uh, how do we say, like, he, yeah, he's very well trained in PR. Yeah. Mm. Uh, his answers typically are, like, so accurate in terms of what, what somebody would like to hear. As If a team principal was overhearing one of their drivers speak, like, he, he usually does such a good job at, like, keeping that side professional, even though... You know, there's a hundred reasons every season for any driver to to kind of get angry and freak mm. out and scream. And I feel like he, yeah, he has a lot of composure. He does. So that's, I'll, I'll that's say, the first one. I'll say he is really good at that. It, I like, but like recently we we're seeing him come apart because it's the first time he's lost in like yeah, eight years. Yeah. But like credit to him though because. I mean, it's easy for us to say that looking at all the other drivers and being like, everyone else can like is, isn't as good as Lewis. But Lewis, he kind of needs to be that as like this black race car driver in a very like white kind of dominant sport. He's representing that. And so he has to be on top of his PR game all the time. Yeah. Because like, yeah. like it or not, there are people out there that like, hate him for that reason or, or finding like any reason to make him look like an idiot. And so like, he's really good at it. He's like the best that you could ask for as far as filling that role. Yeah. It's just funny because for Max and I, and I know probably Mike day to day, we just don't really care about that. We like the people that are like down and dirty, getting stuff done, yeah. even though they're the underdogs. I just don't think Lewis has the freedom to do that no. because of what he represents. Yeah, you're right. He does kind of need to be a little bit... He polished. just needs to be polished and professional. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's had the weight on his shoulders and he's been able to carry it really well. Um, someone else who's doing yeah. that excellently right now is Max Verstappen. I don't think Verstappen was emotionally as mature in previous seasons. Mm. And it translated onto the racetrack because it didn't seem like he had the patience required to win over and over and over. And this season, it's been really fun to see him step into that kind of posture where he is patient and calm and calculated and he's not making that many mistakes. And so that's something I think Lewis has had for a long time, but I think it's probably a trait of every world champion in F1. And also just side note there, like Max is very calm, collected and seems like more mature this season, but he's also winning every race. Yeah. It's so easy to be happy yeah. and on top yeah. when you are just not losing. I'd love to talk about yeah. that for a second. We make fun of Lewis a lot on the show, right? I don't know. Trevor says Trevor says he only listened to the last episode. So he doesn't uh, yeah, know. yeah. Oh, sure. No, I know. No, 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 we no. love Lewis on our show. <laughs> we love to praise Lewis. Uh, so we make fun. We make fun of Lewis a fair amount. And one thing that he's getting just a lot of grief from us about is that he's winning like crazy when both cars were winning like crazy for the past eight years, just over and over and over and over, just completely dominant. His teammate was also dominant, which tells us they've got a great car. Then when this season begins and things are not going as well, 
because he's got a less dominant car, which we which is somewhat proven by the performance of his teammate being that he's got a new one. They start pulling out rules out of the book to throw at other teams. He's talking about people driving dangerously. He's committing, he's doing a lot of pretty sketchy stuff on the track and in some cases not taking full responsibility for it. He, in some cases, hasn't performed very well as, you know, somebody who's not in first as well put by Alonzo two weeks ago. If you heard what he had to say about Lewis, was curious to get your take on that. So he's a front runner driver. He is an amazing driver. 2020 and 2021, we saw some amazing drives from that guy. It's undeniable that he's a really incredible driver. But we're also seeing this moment where it seems like almost, I don't want to say a double standard. I don't know what the heck the word is, but it almost seems like it's a. it gets a little twisted now that he's, kind of in the pack everybody are these villains and everybody's against him and everybody's out to get him at least for me that's a thing that i'm just like come on dude everybody's going through this everybody's been feeling this way about you for the past eight years and now that you're back in the pack let's not complain about the way that people drive when they're trying to get into the first where you've been in first this whole time yeah that's a great perspective i think that's really valid i think we're all as fans privy to that concept called cognitive screening where we kind of make a choice about someone or something and then we're on the hunt to find evidence to validate that thought and i think that's a, a real thing in in this scenario too because i haven't seen that but i know you know if you get onto reddit formula dank it's like just all about how complaining lewis is and yeah. what's strange is from my own experience i'm like he just seems like a normal racing driver like mm. everyone i know on uh. the grid loses their mind if anything happens at all whether okay. it's a gun that's left a little too far away from the pit or somebody, you know, cutting them off in the pit lane or anything on the gravel on the road. I mean, like they, everyone is complaining for anything they possibly can because F1 is a sport that is completely dependent on small margins. To me, everyone emotionally is in that headspace that my team principal is only a good team principal if they go to war for me and they're trying at every possible stage of the season to get the regulations in place to help our team. I mean, it's expected. I think that's what Christian Horner is doing all the time. I don't see anything different from Christian Horner and Toto Wolf in terms of their tenacity to find any margin they can. It seems like Christian is absolutely, completely a victim anytime something happens that goes the other way. <laughs> and Toto's Big so, time. so upset if it goes the other way. It's like everything's wrong. And so I guess my perspective is that, you know, I think Lewis is definitely surprised by how much he's been struggling. And you can sense it yeah. because he even kind of makes promises. And then it's like, oh, man, we're going to get him next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're coming, you know. And it's like he's used to having this catalytic process of positivity, reinforcement, mm. confidence, re you know, reinforcement. And it's been breaking <laughs> like a lot this year. And so I think it's been fun to see him trip and get up. And it's interesting. He's like behind George, ahead of George, behind George and ahead. So it's yeah, it's kind of fun to see that, I think, uh, from my perspective, but maybe annoying for you guys. <laughs> well, I think we've said that on this podcast is that like in previous years, it hasn't been fun to watch Mercedes because they're just winning. And everything that Lewis says after he's won a race is like, okay, like, fine. You've also won a billion other races. Mm -hmm. But now this year, now to see him and what he can do 
and how his mental game is applying to the sport is actually really exciting. You know, it's like yeah, here we're seeing him as the driver he is and he's a good driver. And it's more fun because he's being competitive. Yeah, he's Whereas, a human being. And now. now it's starting to get like, you know, Max is going to pull away from the pack. That's not fun. I I, we, I just like the competitive nature of it. Yeah. And to go to what you said, it's like, we're starting to see how strong Lewis really is. And we wouldn't see that in any other season because he's just been out in the front, you know? We kind of haven't even seen what he is as a driver because he's had this rocket ship that he's been riding there's been small little sections of him yeah. that we haven't seen. And now, like Trevor was talking about, we kind of get to see exactly what happened at the beginning of the season where they're like, mm -hmm. it's no problem. We're going to get this worked out by blank, blank, and blank. We're going to be rocking off in you know four weeks. And then all of a sudden, they're really not. We get to see like, okay, what does this look like for him when he's having mm -hmm. a Daniel Ricciardo season? Yeah, like We see what Daniel Ricciardo looks like in Red Bull and then at McLaren, mm -hmm. and we see what kind of person that he is. I don't know, know why we're so interested in these people, but, yeah. but still, it's interesting to watch him. And then also with, with Lewis, it's like we get to see what he looks like on a rocket ship and then what he looks like in a Ferrari. You know? yeah. Well, it seems like it's almost like the race gods have deemed you know, like Lewis worthy of this challenge. If he really is going to be better than Mick, so to speak, and have more world championships, he's going to have to do what Mick did, which is struggle again after winning and after mm. being the world champion, like go through a real struggle. And it's like, is he going to do it? Is he going to retire next year? For me as a fan, that's extremely interesting for me to see. It's like, mm, is he yeah. really the best? Or Mercedes has been so dominant that whoever was really ready just took the stage. Mm. And for me, it's like, it's yet to be proven. I think if he comes back, if he sticks it out and stays with Mercedes and next year he helps get the car to you know, an even better place than it is, mm -hmm. that would be really telling. It'd be really hard to refute that. And I think most yeah. champions who really carry that into retirement have to have some sort of experience like that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo's experiencing the same thing. If he can turn it around, oh man, you can't deny, you know? But yeah. if, if they leave, then it's like, it's a different story. That's a wonderful perspective. I like that a lot. Wait, you haven't told us your other two things. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick. I yeah. like that he... Dad, he what, what are they? Well, last year... Come on, Frank. <laughs> we know you're in there. Frank, <laughs> come into frame, Frank. <laughs> Speaking of dads. Yeah, my dad, everyone. <laughs> For the listeners at home, he's on Zoom yeah. just uh, w uh, gesturing to a blank space behind him. My dad, who has never taken interest in Formula One publicly, is using me as a puppet to yeah, get yeah. into your show yes, and yes. share his opinions on Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> but last year, you know, super intense ending. It was crazy. Maybe the most crazy championship ever in any sport. You know, to totally tied, last minute, last second of the race. Mm -hmm. A wild ending, and he and his dad, like, really quickly congratulated Max and his dad. Yeah. And both my wife and I were like, that is crazy. I wouldn't have expected that from anybody, regardless of, you know, how classy they are. Mm. So I thought that was really cool because I would have, I mean, I, I would have been furious to be either of them yeah. in that moment if somebody the last lap would have passed um, after such an intense season. And on such a controversial decision from like stewards and stuff. If that was like an NBA game, the, M the team that loses, they just leave. You get off the court. Like they don't want to go yeah. and say congrats to the player's family too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was really classy. And I mean, the fan base was going nuts, right? Everyone was arguing. And yet he, and it was just immediately congratulating Max and having a cool conversation. So I thought that was cool. 
And, you know, he did take ownership this season. I thought a highlight for Lewis and for the fans was having this validation again that, you know, he is choosing kind of the higher road with Alonzo. Yeah. I haven't seen a driver this season admit really to anything regarding a incident or yeah, on the track. That was big. To accept it fully and be like, it was completely my fault. Haven't seen it yet. So I thought that was cool. That is cool. And third thing. <laughs> that was it. That was my oh, third Okay, cool, cool. No, I like, two it. I like it. Three rolled together. Thank you, Trevor, for giving us a peek into the mind of a Mercedes fan and a Lewis Hamilton fan. We appreciated it. I'm sure all of our fans appreciated the the well-roundedness of the message today. Thank you. And I just want to apologize to any like longtime F1 fans who are listening and are losing their minds because they can't talk on the podcast. Yeah. Just like, you didn't mention this Lewis fight with this person or yeah. you didn't mention these years when he was riding with Nico Rosberg. Yeah. Like, we, we don't know. Yeah. This is just based on two years of watching Drive to Survive and like following F1, you know. There's a reason we're doing this on the week that we don't have Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Because he would be losing his <laughs> mind. <laughs> That's true. That's Go true. Ahead. I was just going to point out that my most personal experiences with Lewis Hamilton have been when I've played as Lewis Hamilton in the Formula One EA Sports video game. So. <laughs> Does he just spit mantras to you while you race as him? Like, it's just a voiceover. If you take this corner... <laughs> You shall be blessed, and the blessings shall be upon thee and thy family. Every time he overtakes, it's just blessed, 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 blessed. And he crashes. He's like, I'd like to thank my team. If you go vegan, you will be faster. (laughs) Time taken off from the life that we lead will only lead us quicker to the stars that we chase. (laughs) Ever such, so shall it be unto you, Toto. Amen. Yeah, run us through your uh, e-game game racing career. E-game. Yeah, e-games. Yeah. Well, I've tried to get you guys to come play. I've downloaded it. I've downloaded it. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult game. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. Cool thing about the game is you get to know the racetracks. That is cool. And for me, that was huge because, for instance, Singapore was an absolute nightmare for me. Uh-huh. I had to restart that race like 12 times. Couldn't even finish. It's such a difficult racetrack. Uh-huh. I had to look up ways to tune your car. Wow. You learn a lot about your power unit, you know, your gearbox and your turbo and all those things because you have what you guys have talked about just on a recent episode. You actually have your power unit uh, like kind of lined out and you have these green boxes for how many you have left. Wow. And then as soon as you, you know, kind of max out and you're, you're changing these in between races. And as soon as it maxes out, you get penalties for the next race. Oh, and crazy. so you in real time feel the pain of making decisions too fast, like changing engines too quickly wow. or getting into a crash. And you feel the pain as well of, of getting your car wrong for a certain track. Because for me, it was confusing. Like, why was Max why was Max slower at Monza than you know he was at Spa or whatever it is? Like, these different tracks have such different uh, angles of turning. There's different turns. Monza is my favorite race track to race on because there's really clear and obvious turns. But places like the Dutch Grand Prix and Singapore are an absolute nightmare. The walls are wow. tight. I mean, if you crash once, you're screwed. Wow. And so you feel the pain of these drivers, <laughs> and you also get the complexity of like. You change your toe camber and your rear camber 
in the game, you, you know, you go into this to try to like get it right for the for the racetrack you're going to be on, and you can pump up your tires differently, front and the back, and Holy there's so smokes. many different elements. I actually have to Google things in order to play the game <laughs> to get the right. But cool, my point is, cool. is like that's a video game, and it already blew my mind how complex it is. And so we probably know so little about what the race drivers are actually Jeez, going through. And the that's teams. crazy. That's so nuts. That's cool. So you've gotten a better understanding of what's going on on the tracks because you played the game. Yeah, I think I know more than you guys about power units. <laughs> no, <laughs> so that's fun. I, I would not doubt that. That's cool. <laughs> that's it, though. So for the people listening, if they wanted to dive in and become an esports pro, what game would you recommend that they dive into to kind of dig into these sort of things? I think I heard somewhere that it might be 2019, which is the best F1 game. There's all these opinions on Reddit. You can look them up, but yeah. it's just the F1. I have 21. I guess 22 was interesting, but it's kind of buggy. The AI was just way too fast on the straights, and so people mm. were just furious. Their careers were just going down the tubes because, like, it, like you'd people be like racing, jobs, leaving their families. Got <laughs> well, bad. you'd like be you'd be equal on the corners, then in three seconds, like you just see the AI just like just fly right by you, even though you know it's like uh, a Williams or something, and you're a Red Bull. So it was, yeah. So okay. it's a little touchy when they mess with the game. It's very touchy, and you feel it. That's okay, weird. okay. So maybe F1 2021. It's pretty good. That's okay. the one I have. Okay. So shifting gears, um, obviously your favorite team is Mercedes, but what is your second favorite team and why is it Haas? Excellent question. <laughs> well, it is Haas. And why it is? Because Gunther's accent has always been alluring. It's four or five languages in one. Trevor, you do a pretty good Gunther. Parker does and Trevor does. I'd oh. say those are the best. Yeah. Uh, give us a quick. Give us a quick one. Mine turns into a Mexican Toto Wolf really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Tell us that Max was way out of line with the way that he took that corner and he almost killed Roman. As Gunter or Mexican Toto? (laughs) They're the same thing, sir. Yeah, yeah. Max, that was not right. You have to go around the corner. <laughs> That's just Toto. <laughs> it's so not right. It's so not right. If it it is kind of boring your throat if it's Gunther. That's perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. So you had to warm up to it. So Toto is your gateway drug to Gunther. Okay, I get it. You got to go through Toto to get to Gunther. Everybody knows I s- that. I uh, see the narrative here that you're pushing. I love it. I love it. So it's uh, all right. So so Gunter is what got you in. I mean, it's our gateway drug too. We all love Gunter. So speaking of Haas, uh, obviously we just finished up the Monza Grand Prix. Um, we didn't have super high hopes for this week just because it's such a uh, high speed track. It is the fastest track on the calendar all year at 160 miles per hour. And so no points this week. They were going up 208 miles an hour. They were going well over 200. To average. I was like, average. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. corners in there. 160 gotcha. average. Uh, and so... Yeah, we didn't expect much. Gunter even said so. We're not expecting a lot of excitement from Monza. Yeah, but obviously Russia is canceled. The 25th of September is canceled. So our next race is on October the 2nd in Singapore. It's 111 miles per hour, and it is the slowest Haas has a Besides lot of is good in the corners, so and that's it, awesome. Yeah, so we expect great things from them there. Uh, one other piece of news is that this week, Kevin Magnuson was awarded the historic Lorenzo Bandini Trophy. Woo! Previous recipients are David Coulthard, cool. Schumacher Kimi, Danny Rick, Sebastian Vettel, 
and it's awarded to, quote, a person or team for commendable performance in motorsport. Well, good for K-Mag. Go K-Mag. We love K-Mag. He loves trophies too. Yeah. We love to see him get more trophies. Yeah. Well, good for him. I'm glad that someone's uh, recognizing the good driving he's doing. Yeah. At Haas, we'll get that translated to more podiums for K-Mag. Yes. The uh, committee says, we believe that the delivery of our award to Kevin can represent a further confirmation of the goodness of the work done by the entire American team during yes. these years of activity. Yes. See? Well, good. good. They are recognizing wow. the, the great American work happening in F1. Well, that's great. And that's coming from Italians. <laughs> that's an Italian <laughs> that's award amazing. right there. Good job. Okay, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up, but uh, I have a final quiz for you both. Wonderful. So this quiz is called Lewis Hamilton or Donald Trump. Here we go. I have a list of posts. <laughs> these are just political ideas. Yeah, these are political <laughs> ideas, and you get to tell me which one thinks it. Um, so, so I have a list of quotes. Uh, these are social media posts mostly, and you guys get to. And I'm going to read them, and you guys get to tell me who you who think it said it. Okay, Lewis Hamilton or Donald Trump. Okay, got it. Are you ready, Trevor? Awesome. Okay, guys, just as a control, just to make sure that we're everybody's listening, here's the first one. In racing, there are always <laughs> there are always things you can learn every single day. There's always space for improvement. Who said that? Barack Obama. Okay, good. Was he a choice? No. You just say Lewis. <laughs> this is I thought the control. it was Lewis. Oh, this okay. is the control. Oh, this is the control. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. So Lewis Hamilton, right? Lewis. Okay, the next one is Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what he should have done to protect our country and our constitution. Who said that? Trump. Okay. But if you replace Mike Pence with Valtteri Bottas, it's Lewis. <laughs> Valtteri Bottas did not have the courage to do what he should have done to protect our country and our constitution. <laughs> Giving our team a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones they were asked to previously certify. Mercedes demands the truth. That was Lewis Hamilton to the Queen four years ago. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. We're getting started. First one. Obviously, I'm not happy, but they can throw what they want at me. I'll come back stronger. Uh, my guess is Trump. Trevor. Stronger sounds like Lewis. I feel like Trump would have used a different superlative. I'll go with Lewis. All right, that is Lewis Hamilton who said that. <laughs> All right, next one, next one. Trump doesn't say stronger. He would have said huge or something. Huge. <laughs> He'll come back huge. All right, number two. What separates the winners from the losers is how a person reacts to each new twist of fate. Uh, it's Trump. <laughs> it's going to be all Lewis. It's too complicated. It's Lewis. <laughs> you think that's Lewis? I think it was Lewis. You think that's Trump? Yeah. All right. That is Donald Trump, mm -hmm. everybody. Wow. Donald J. Trump said that. All right. And the next one here. As long as you're going to be thinking anyway, think big. Wow. Words of wisdom. Uh, I'm going to switch and go Lewis. All right. So Max thinks that's Lewis. And what does Trevor think that is? Donald J. You think that's Donald J? That is a point. For Trevor. Ooh. Yes. That is Donald J. Trump right there. Good job. All right. We're neck and neck here, guys. We're going to do one more as a tiebreaker. I want to crush everyone. I want to outsmart everyone. Max. Lewis. Trevor. 
Max was so quick to trigger that one off. He doesn't know, man. <laughs> He's the, he can't see my screen, man. I want to crush everyone. I want to outsmart everyone. It could it could have been a little tiny ten year old Lewis. <laughs> I want to crush everyone. Either ten year old Lewis or angry Lewis, like on on track. That just makes sense. Neither context. That that's Trump. Ten-year-old Trump, maybe I'll go with just the opposite of what Max said. Trump. Okay. All right, so that that pulled Max into the lead. Oh, because <sighs> that is a quote from Lewis Hamilton. I want to crush wow. everyone. I want to outsmart everyone. He was talking about the fashion industry. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about all the female models. And how he Met- wants to take their jobs. <laughs> it was at the Met Gala. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Hey, Lewis, what are you wearing? I want to crush." Everyone, <laughs> what are you talking about? We just want to know who made your dress. Uh, so, Max, you're our big winner today. I'm the best Lewis so fan. So, does that mean that you're oh. a bigger fan than Trevor? I am. I am. This whole podcast was a waste of time. <laughs> it's a huge waste of time, but we're happy that you joined us for it. Uh, we are the Haas Boys. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Please Trevor. Sending us, send us in your questions. Uh, we love to get them on Instagram at Haas.Boys or on email at DosHaasBoys at gmail.com. Thanks so much to our resident Mercedes fan, Trevor Corrin. Thanks for joining us. And uh, be sure to join us next week. Bye. See you guys. I went to indie races and didn't pay attention, and that's why I love F1.